0: I can say that unironically, right, that it's actually spring, so that's pretty cool. My name is Scott. If, if we have not met, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you're all here, actually, whether we've met or not. Uh, pastor Matt is our, is our normal teaching pastor, and he is taking a short vacation, and he'll be gone next week as well. He'll be doing a wedding. So if you have not yet heard him teach, we are very blessed to have him as a teacher. So I would encourage you to come back, or if you are online, I would encourage you to tune back in. But I am excited to be here. If you have not downloaded our app, I would encourage you to do that. We have a free app. If you, t- if you go to either one of the stores and look for Redemption Church Duval, you can download that, and there will be notes in there that we'll be going through. We're going to be going through a lot of uh, verses today. If you don't like the Bible, the next 30 minutes or so is going to be a drag. I love the Bible, so I'm glad that you're here, and I hope maybe you'll love it on the other side. Um, we're going to be talking about identity today, how we identify And I was kind of thinking about my life. I'm a pastor now. I used to be a photographer. I've taught at community college. I taught martial arts. I used to be really into sea kayaking. I used to be part of a motorcycle group that we all looked really scary. We weren't scary, but we all looked really scary. All these different things, uh, and most of those have changed. I'm a husband and a father. I wasn't always a husband and a father, although I look like I have been, how old I am. But as I was examining my identity, how I identify, I started going back What's the first identities I could remember in my life, right? And I went back. I, I grew up in a uh, uh, lower middle class suburb of Los Angeles. Everybody goes, when, you're from, when you tell people from Western Washington, they go, oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. I got out. It took me a while, but I got out. Uh, had a good childhood. And I was thinking about, you know, the guys I, I ran with in our neighborhood. We just had a couple of streets that was our neighborhood. And how we identified. Like, well, you know, how did, how did we decide who we were? And it was pretty superficial, it might not, might not surprise you. Uh, one was what kind of jeans you wore. So there was something at the time called Levi's 501s. And the only way you could really tell they were Levi's 501s, they had a button fly, which was a ridiculous thing to desire on your jeans, but that's what it had. The thing that was desirous is a little tiny tag, a red tag that was about, I don't know, a half inch by maybe a quarter inch. And that was, you know, not everybody had those, including me. I wore whatever jeans from whatever department store were cheap. So if you guys don't probably know what a department store is, most of you. There used to be something called Montgomery Wards, which was before Sears, which was before Walmart. So it was kind of like Walmart, but a lot more washing machines is basically what it was. You would go in there, and they sold jeans, and they were much cheaper, apparently, than Levi's. I never owned a pair of Levi's until I was in my late teens. But the people that did, that's how you would identify them. Another way to identify them, what kind of shoes you had, right? So all of the shoes we wore, we referred to as tennis shoes, although none of us had anything to do with tennis. Uh, the, the shoes that were desirous were Keds. And I never saw a pair of Keds that weren't all white. And ironically, they had a little red tag on the back. I don't know if there's a pattern here, but they had a little red tag. I never owned those. My shoes came from a department store. Or sometimes, I kid you not, the supermarket. You could buy tennis shoes in the supermarket, right? And we always saw oh, the kids that had Keds. That was, that was an identifier. Another one was what kind of lawn you had. Now, everyone had a lawn, but virtually everybody had a lawn where, kind of like my lawn, if it grows, that's my lawn. Like, I don't, I'm not really particular about what it is, I just mow it, right? But some of the people had a lawn called Dichondra. Have you ever, is this something specific to, okay, Dichondra lawns, only a couple of hands. Dichondra lawns were gorgeous, and they grew up, the, I wouldn't say the blade, the stalk grew up, and it formed like a lily pad. And the lily pads were either a quarter inch to maybe five-eighths of an inch. And it just looked fantastic. You really had to attend to them. But they weren't perfect as far as I was concerned, because when you walked across the lawn, you could see tracks. It would actually leave tracks of where you walked across the lawn. And I had been yelled at many times for walking across somebody's lawn that had Dichondra, and if you rode your bike across it, heaven help you. You better—I hope you had a fast bike, because you had to get home, and usually they would be calling your parents that, you know, they rode across my Dichondra lawn. So that was another identifier, like a decondralon. And the last one, and probably the most important identifier for me when I was a kid, was what bike you had, what brand of bicycle you had. Everybody had a bicycle. We rode all over the town. Uh, It was very important to our identity. Now, you see this pattern? Guess what kind of bike I had? Guess where it came from? Montgomery Wards, right? So you had the hierarchy was Montgomery Wards, then Huffy, or Murray was about here. And then I have to get a ladder out, and then... Schwin Stingray crate. It was either an apple crate, an orange crate. There was a lemon crate. Right, those were fantastic. Now, if you see these bikes today, and they sell for a fortune today, they looked ridiculous. I looked at some pictures this week. The first thing is, in the back, that it was a slick tire, like you'd have on a dragster. Like that's what you need for a bicycle. You know, you really want to get that burn out the tire and get traction. Had a banana seat and a sissy bar. Had ape hanger handlebars. And a, uh, a handbrake, the front tire was smaller, of course, and had a Springer front end. If you see a chopper, you see a Springer front end. Ridiculous. And then the most ridiculous thing was the coolest thing, a giant shift knob that sat between your knees on the bar. It was only a three speed, right? But what I wouldn't have done for that bike. Very few of those in my school. So as my identity, if I was trying to describe a kid to somebody else that they hadn't met I'd, I'd say, well, where does this kid live? Well, he lives a, a street over. He goes, well, were, what kind of jeans do wear? I don't know, he just wears Montgomery Ward jeans. But he's, he's, I've seen him in Keds. Okay, Keds, is he across the street from the lawn with the Dichondra? No, 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 he's three doors down for the guy with the apple crate. Okay, oh, that everybody would know. Oh, okay, I know, I know that kid. I just haven't met him before. That, that's who he was, and that's, that was our identity, right? Now, fortunately, I was gonna say most, all of those things have changed in my life, right? I, hadn't, I haven't clung on to those. But it gets me to think, Our our identity changes over the course of our life, right? Our passions, our interests, right? The things that we prioritize in our life. So how would you describe yourself? Just be thinking, how would you describe yourself to somebody who hadn't met you before? What would you choose as your identifiers, right? And I actually, when I was kicking this around, I came up with some lists that may or may not apply to you. So I'm gonna go through these here. Are you where you've came from? Are you black powder or archery? Are you a sports fan? Are you a cat lover or a dog lover? Are you a man or a woman? Are you what you play? Are you a X hyphenated American or a Y hyphenated American? Are you what you drive? Are you what happened to you? Are you a golfer or a knitter? Are you in and out or Dick's drive-in? I have my thoughts. Are you what you ride? Are you your profession? Are you a fisherman or a cruiser? Are you how you serve? Are you what union you belong to? Are you your hobbies? Are you you where you've been? Are you redistribution of wealth, or if you don't work, you don't eat? Are you what you look like? Are you pro-nuke or all about wind and solar? Are you the money or the property you've amassed? Or are you your age? Are you Xbox or PS5? Are you your retirement? Are you a wine walk or a nature walk? Are you your goals? Are you the branch of the military you served in? Are you room service or a forager? Are you the form of government you prefer? Are you what you survived? Are you thin crust or thick crust? Are you backworks, backyard fireworks are wonderful or let the pros handle it? Are you a drinker or a teetotaler? Are you sleep-under-the-stars or a five-resort type of person? Are you your political party? Are you where you went to school? Are you rap or country? Are you classic or jazz? Are you Android or Apple? Are you a foodie or you like to eat at 7-Eleven? Are you lovers of naps or lovers of action? Are you a social media power user or technologically challenged? Are you vegan or a carnivore or are you a loner or a people person? Now I know that at least one of those is true of you today and probably multiple things and they're probably going to change over your life but what I've also noticed is maybe you guys have noticed as well over the last few years there's been all this energy and strife in the world right in our country but in the world in general and as I'm thinking about it, it seems like most of those things happen due to our identity. We've got a lot of energy behind our identities. So, as followers of Jesus, what we're going to look at this morning is, our, our, these identifiers define us, and if we are followers of Jesus, should they? Okay, that's what we're going to look at this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be here this morning, that you'd help us better identify who you claim, how you identify, and how we should identify. And I pray that as we focus on your word, that you would reveal these things to us in a new and fresh way. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what is the most important identify in your life? Now, you guys are good Sunday school students. I bet you're going to come up with the answer, right? You know what the answer I'm going for. But I'm going to share a story with you. When I was about 17 in high school— and I identified as a Christian. I publicly stood up for my faith when I was 12. But This was several years later. I was in class, and the teacher—I don't remember what class it was for—sociology, I think— gave us an uh, 1117 piece of paper and said, draw your life. And so it was interesting to see how people did that. Like, how would you do that? If like, somebody gave you a, a pen and a piece of paper, and you didn't hear the previous five minutes, how would you draw your life? So some people drew, like, overlapping circles, you know, had different things laid out. Some people did, like, a flow chart— Other the 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 overachievers would draw like cartoons for each each aspect of their life, right? And I did mine. And then we went around and shared. And to my chagrin and shame, remember I've been a a Christian in in word for four years. Nowhere on that sheet did God appear. Nowhere on that sheet was the church represented. How did I identify? If that didn't happen, I was asked to draw my life, and I didn't put God in there. How was I identifying? So if we are identifying as a Jesus follower, I think it's wise for us first to look at how Jesus identified in Scripture, okay? Who did Jesus say who he was? So I'm gonna go through some passages here. Uh, again, feel free to, op- if, in theory, you, somebody could have a paper Bible here. Open that up, or open up your app, whatever you wanna do and follow along, it'll also be on the screen. So the first one is John 8, It says, and Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 7 says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And my own know me. In John 14, 6 it says, And Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And finally, in John 8, at verse 56, it says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You're not fifty years old, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That's a pretty encompassing list that he identifies as, right? He identifies as the light, the good shepherd, the way, the life, and God. That's who Christians follow. That's his identity. By the way, for him, that last verse is really important too. It's truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I, I am. That, those two words, I am, are what ultimately got Jesus killed, right? That sealed it, because he was using an ancient word for God, God used for himself, I am. So Jesus is definitely identifying as God. Now, because of who Jesus is, it seems to me, he makes all these claims, that should be the identifier of a a person who claims to be a Jesus follower, right? You're following a pretty powerful, encompassing list of who Jesus is. That should be our paramount identity, I believe. It It is who we are, on a a molecular level, down deep, were changed. Paul wrote to the Christians in Galatia who were actually uh, converted from from Judaism into Christianity. And in starting in verse 3, he writes something very interesting. It says, Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For you're all one in Jesus Christ. If you belong to Christ... Then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Did you catch that? When we surrender ourselves to Jesus, we go from being prisoners to being children of God. From going to be prisoners under the law to being children of God. And if you look at this list, this last paragraph, these were the, the three most defining principles for somebody, the most identifying things that you could say about a first-century Jew. They were either a Jew or a Gentile. They were either a man or a woman. They were either slave or free. Those are major, major identifiers, right? Nothing else would be more important to those people than one of those things, probably all of those things. But it says they're not those things anymore. That's not how they identified anymore. They're changed, There's no distinction in God's sight between Jews or Gentiles. He doesn't distinguish between male and female and slaves and free. That's identity. Now, we go back to that list that I, you know, some of those were silly. The first list I read, some of them were, were good. I don't think that God gets a bunch of energy behind any of those things. And I don't know that we should either. And as we struggle, I think most of us probably struggle with our identity in some way, and pr- prioritizing our identity. It's not a new challenge for Jesus followers. That's what we're seeing from these, this letter to the Galatians, right? Paul is concerned that the Galatians are following back into their old identity of being Jews, right, a lesser identity. Because they had all these laws, and they were kind of judging, oh, okay, you're, an, you're, you're a Gentile convert, You know, you can go over here, but Jewish converts are over here because they're, you know, that's their identity, right? They're worth more. Paul refers to these folks as Judaizers, and it just means that they're living according to Jewish custom. And the way that a first century Jew would see themselves, they would have, they would see being a Jew as a social group and a nationalistic group and a religious group all meshed together, right? You couldn't separate those things. They practiced this, I like this term, they practiced cultural imperialism, right? We don't do that, do we? Some of us do, right? But this cultural imperialism was was enmeshed into their religion. It couldn't be be separated, and they saw their group as threatened, right? They wanted to cling to these old things that didn't matter anymore. They didn't want to give up their old identity. And we say, well, that was the Galatians, you know, I'm sure the disciples didn't have any issue with, with identity. But then you think about it. Remember the story about the rich young ruler, right? That, that Jesus and the disciples are walking, and this rich young ruler comes up to them and, and says, Jesus, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you have to follow the, you know, be a good guy. He goes, I'm a good guy. I give money to the poor. I, I serve. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all that. Jesus said, good. Only one thing you lack. Give up your money and follow me. He didn't say, awesome, I'll do that. He walked away depressed. Now this rocked the world of the disciples, why? Because of his identity. In that culture, somebody that was rich and powerful, no doubt he was good-looking too, it doesn't say that, but I'm sure he was good-looking, right? He's young, he's, you know, good-looking dude, good-looking, young, rich dude. They saw them as, that guy's blessed by God. And they said, well, if he can't get in, who's gonna get in? Nobody will get in. If this guy can't get in, why? because they were identifying that he was awesome, right? He's, he, he, he's, he's something plus Jesus. He's not just a Jesus follower, right? That's how they saw it. They thought, wow, he's, he's wealthy and he's not going to get into heaven. That's nuts. 2 Corinthians reminds us in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. We change when the Holy Spirit starts living in us, we change. The, things, the old things that we desire become less desirous, right? We're, our, our language changes, our, our, our interaction with people. Every aspect of our, of our life changes because we're a new creature in Christ. All of the old baggage is gone. We have this new identity. If we claim to follow Jesus, then that is our identity— The Judaizers needed to ask about their stuff, is this sent by men or by God? Is this important to men or is it important to God? That should be the filter that they used for their life. And that's the filter that we should use for our life. Because the Jews only saw God working through the Jews, right? And God certainly did work through the Jews. That's the lineage of Jesus, right? But that's then. Now we are Jesus' followers exclusively. And adding any other requirements to that diminish our faith, diminishes our true identity, diminishes who we are. Now, the Galatians had problems with it. In the United States, Christians have problems with this, right? There's disputes in the church. People get really worked up about what kind of baptism you'd participate in, right? Or um, what translation of the Bible you might use, Right? I've had people tell me, well, that's not the Word of God. That's uh, ESV. I go, okay. I can, I'm going to guess what translation you use, but I'm not going to say it here this morning. I think I know. What about Calvinism and Arminianism? Want to get it worked up at lunch? Bring that up, right? Because you can't be a Christian and believe this. You've got to believe this over here, right? Alright. Here's the third rail. What about our political party? In the last two years, I've had people on both ends of the spectrum tell me that I could not be a Christian if I voted for the other person. The Judaizers would be proud of that statement. You cannot be on the right and call yourself a Christian. You cannot be on the left and call yourself a Christian. We gotta give that up. If I'm a child of the king, I gotta give that up. That is not my identity. Yes, these things can be good, and they they could be problematic, but they are infinitesimally in importance to being a child of God. So, that's the problem. How do we prioritize our identity? How How do we guard our identity if we claim to follow Christ? And I'm gonna go to 1 John chapter 4. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, and by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, you're from God, and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Mark that verse. If you ever need an encouraging verse, that is a good life verse. To remember that everything that comes against us, that guy's done. Satan's defeated already. He's just very tenacious. He's not admitting. He's defeated already. Remember that verse. We therefore... Sorry, they're from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, John is talking about false teachers, for sure. But I think that we can use those words to weigh everything that starts to influence in our lives, right? Is this from God? Maybe it's okay, maybe it's benign, but it is not our identity if it's not from God. We need to weigh that through and say, all right, where is this coming from? And I'll tell you what, I think if we counted everything, all the identifiers that compete for our identity, I'd be willing to bet we could come up with a much longer list that Satan is proposing than the ones gods are proposing. It's it's one of the tools he uses to influence us. And he's got some great marketing on his side, right? He's got some great institutions that push his agenda. So we have to make sure that we measure, are these things from man, or ultimately from Satan, or are they from God? Very, very important for guarding our identity. It's important for us to remember that Jesus plus nothing is everything. It's not Jesus plus a political party. It's not Jesus plus our hobby. It's not Jesus plus our marital status. It's not Jesus plus how many children we have. It's not Jesus plus what size of our bank account is. We are, we are children of God as we stand. And the more I think about this, you know, the Bible talks about sin coming after you, right? Like as a, this living entity, right? That, that, that kind of pursues us sometimes. And I'm thinking about these other identities, these lesser identities can be really jealous of our focus. I think they can. They can start speaking to us, right? Well, yeah. I mean, how many people identify as a Christian at work? You know, sometimes they, oh, it's kind of awkward to do that, or how? You know, I don't, I don't want to make people un, feel uncomfortable. All these things. Well, do these other things, and I think that our that our identities can somebody sometimes be whispering to us. I want you to focus on me. Maybe it's a good thing. I want you to focus on being the, you know, the the greatest worker at the parent-teacher association, right? That's your identity, right? And that's a good identity, but it's a lesser identity. But maybe your identity, wherever it is, might be saying, your faith is okay, but don't think of it as who you are. Think of it as an add-on. Think of it as you bought a Jeep, and you wanted to get the cool cover on the back. That's what your Christianity is, right? Just this kind of superficial thing, and you could take it off if you need to, because it's not who you are. Who you are is the Jeep, You're not the add-on accessory, right? No, that's not true. It's reversed. Who we are is a child of God. Everything else is way, 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 way down there. So what I would challenge each of us to do this week sometime is to ask yourself, am I putting more importance on anything else as my identity rather than being a follower of Jesus? The Bible says, circumcision and non-circumcision, a big identifier in the first century, it no longer has value. So nothing else is going to have value to us, and it should be the filter that we put everything in our lives through. What would God think about this? Is this competing for my identity? We must live by and through and according to the Spirit. And regarding our faith, conformity to Christ— is the only, should be, the only requirement for identifying as a Christian. It shouldn't be anything else added on to that. And, and honestly, if you put any other litmus test on, on your identity, thinking that's gonna decide whether you're a Christian or not, that's not from God. We are children of God. Think about that. The creator of the universe adopted us. What else do we need? Right? What else is there? Nothing comes close. Nothing comes close to controlling our joy. So what I would say is, the next time that you feel energy about your identity, the next time your, your blood pressure goes up because of some identity in your life that's not surrounded by Jesus, ask yourself, should it? Should I be getting that worked up? Should I be, consider that person an enemy because of some identity that I have? Should I be hostile to this one or or wanting the worst for them because of some identity I have? If that's the case, you probably should give that up. That's probably competing for who you are. That's probably Satan speaking into your mind, trying to get you to screw up. If we are followers of Christ, then our identity should be first, foremost, and finally in Jesus. Truly. Truly. Now, if you are not a follower of Jesus, if you don't claim to be a follower of Jesus, awesome. I am so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're online. And if you sat through this whole thing, I'm telling you that God had some place to play, some part to play in that. The fact that you would would be here means that a poem refers to God as the hound of heaven. The hound of heaven is after you. And I am glad. And so if you are identifying with other things, and, and that's leaving you feel unsatisfied, let me ask you this morning to consider trading in all those identifiers for the true identifier, for being a follower of Jesus, for being a child of the King. He loves you so much. He sacrificed his life for you so that you would be able to become fully in his presence. That is an identifier that will give you blessings in this world and the next beyond what you can imagine. I pray that you would you would consider that. And as we close in prayer, I'd like those of us that already identify as Jesus followers be praying for each one of those people. I know there are people in this room that God's after and I know there's people online that God's after as well. So will you pray for those with me while we close in prayer? Jesus, thank you for giving us this, this perfect role model of identifying to follow. And I pray, Father, that you would be with those of us that, that have dedicated our life to being your followers to help us this week to weigh our other identifiers in our life and, and give up those ones that are holding us back from fully living under your grace and truth. That you would speak into each of our lives and help, help us to discern what are those things we may want to edit away or give lesser importance. Help us to, to lift the identity of being your follower to the very top of our lives, to where when somebody asks us who we are, we can't wait to tell them, we're a child of the king. Let me tell you what that means to me. I pray that it would just overflow with us. If, if, anybody, if, I, if I was able to draw my life again, I pray that it, it would just be this giant Jesus written across there and nothing else would be on there. Father, I lift up those people today that are not yet your followers, that you would speak to them. That maybe this afternoon, if they're sitting outside enjoying your creation, or maybe tonight as they're drifting off, that they would hear your still small voice saying, come to me, be my child. I want to adopt you. I I went through literally heaven and hell so that I could adopt you, that I could pay the price for your adoption. I want you to be my daughter or son. Father, we ask all these things in your wondrous name. Amen.